Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is a CW Spiral, a podcast run by two Barchies and a Bughead. We're your hosts, Sabrina Reed, Michael Patterson, and Reed Gowden. Bringing you history about the network, the latest news, and in-depth spoiler-filled discussions of some of our favorite shows on the CW. Okay, so this is an exciting episode of the pod because we have a Flash Season 9 premiere spoiler preview to give you. But first, we're going to launch in to a topic that has been sitting on our hearts for a while. There's no news, by the way. CW is quiet in terms of scripted. We have unscripted news, not shows. There's apparently a new chief, but we're going to set that one to the side. Um, But we've been thinking about procedurals. And should the CW do one? And should they pick up the one we pitched at the end of 2022? To remind everyone, our pitch was <laughs> a gritty crime procedural set in a post-apocalyptic world starring Katie Cassidy. And I think that's a great gateway procedural for the CW. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I do too. And I'm not just saying that as a biased Katie Cassidy fan. Um, but like to answer both of the questions, yes, the CW should have a procedural. And yes, they should pick that one up. I think... I said this the last time, but it feel, really feels like that would tick those CW boxes, but it would also like just lend itself to that procedural format so well on a network that needs so many more of them, I think. And I think procedurals are a good way to skew older. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, not to generalize, but I feel like procedurals bring in an older audience and that's probably because it's not as um, committal as a serialized drama, right? Like. Mm-hmm. You can hop in, you can miss a week if you if you're whatever, and you can hop back in and you don't really miss too much because they're onto a new case, they're onto a new whatever they're doing. Um, and I think that's a lot of the CW's built itself on high concept serialized dramas and comedy dramas. But I think sometimes high concept shows can have a really big start. Like people want to tune in. And they get hooked with that pilot episode. And then I feel like we always see the ratings taper off. And I could give an example, a recent show that's on TV right now, but I don't want to throw anyone under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I feel like that's why those kinds of shows always, you know, they they don't hit as much as they did in the beginning because I think it's harder for some audiences to completely commit to the ride because if as soon as you miss an episode, maybe you're not checking back in. If there's something that you don't, if it gets too confusing or like it goes in a direction you don't like, you're going to stop watching it. And then you have that really small cult following. Whereas I think procedurals, they still do have a, I feel like procedurals these days have a really big fandom, Mm -hmm. like the 911s and all these shows. So I think it's a, it would be a smart play in this new era of the CW in place of the 50% unscripted (laughs) that we're thinking about <laughs> i know it's i really do i agree because some of the biggest shows like you said on television right now are procedurals and a lot of them are soapy too i know people don't want to admit that but a lot of them are basically prime time soaps that they can hop in and out of when they want to so it's just like cw should embrace it but just do it if they wanted to continue doing it genre-based they could do the post-apocalyptic one that we pitch or to pitch scooby-doo once again mm-hmm. a case of the week <laughs> 
Yeah. And I feel like if you like really look back at the idea of where procedural TV started, I think television itself started with the procedural format. That's what separated from the movies. Movies were considered this highbrow, like ongoing arc kind of story, whereas television was you can pop in, you can pop out, you can pop in, you can pop out. And it's quite ironic that in this day and age of streaming, that the most successful television shows on television are still procedurals. Yes, they have a bit more drama and a bit more arcs in them than they did back in the day. But like you, you cast your mind back to the 60s or the 50s that you would have had the old Batman series. All of them followed villain of the week format. No ongoing story because they were very accessible to a wider audience. Tune in one week, miss six episodes, tune in, miss nothing. You know what I mean? So I feel like that's why they're still accessible. Of course, couples get together and big reveals are made throughout the seasons. There are more arcs in general, but the reason I think they're still so successful is because they're so accessible to a wider audience. And I think the CW could benefit from that, but also throw in a bit more of that soapiness that we just talked about or that genre, those genre-based properties, like the superhero shows. They followed procedural formats in the first seasons and were super successful at it. Of course, as they went on, they adopted bigger, long-running storylines, but I think there's a better balance there. You could find a more like on paper procedural show that the CW would really like benefit from because at the end of the day, if that's what people are watching on TV, this network that's trying to get people to watch on TV really could do with one of them. And if they do go in that direction, I hope they lean in fully and do something not like cutesy and fun. I'm thinking of family law. I don't know if that was actually procedural, but like that's not exactly the... Like, it's a good start, but I want them to do something like all of the other networks, like something a little bit like not dark, but like more gritty, more, I guess, outside of the actual CW lane, because we know they can do it. Look, look at Walker Independence. They can do something that's, um, I don't know. I don't know what I was going to say, but I want them to like really commit to it, get a really good star because you need someone to bring the audience in. You can't just depend on another reboot franchise you need something like big to get into this new era not just halfway they definitely have to commit if they're going to do it and it also i would say not a force responder drama there's just no. far too many of them um i mean i know cbs has a hit in fire country um like massive hit for them and it just premiered in the fall of 2022 but i just don't see like maybe if they did EMTs, but they should stay away from like hospital dramas. No, like no cop dramas unless it's a detective. Um, leave the firefighters alone. We don't have the budget. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know there's somebody out there that has an idea that's not what anybody else is doing and they should do that one. I don't know what it is, but there's gotta be a, a fresh idea out there. There's mm -hmm. gotta be. Because there's there's so much you can do, I guess, with that specific niche of of um, of procedurals, but it does have to be different. Or again, just or do a detective. I mean, there's they love a mystery on the CW. They don't always promote the mystery, but they do love a mystery. Uh, um, Nancy Drew actually could have been. It's like half procedural at times. It does seem to be like a ghost, mm. not an overall ghost, but there's always like a case that yeah. they have to follow for each episode. And that, that's kind of that CW sweet spot that you have that kind of like um, a, a villain of the week or story of the week. But at the same time, you also have this like arced balance and it worked for so long. But I, I get just guess as the shows went on and the, they kept recycling that format for so many things. It just the, the viewership uh, teetered off on all of the shows. So I do think it's time for a reset, maybe a more like 
straightforward procedural show like something like murder she wrote which didn't have an ongoing arc it just was literally episode of the week every single week for those 22 episodes maybe something like that maybe with an older lead i don't know something to appeal to the 58 year old audience because procedurals are still getting people to tune in it actually kind of boggles the mind that the cw hasn't had a like straightforward procedural yet They could also do Mysteries Decoded, but like a fictionalized version of it. Mm-hmm. Like, cause they always air that show like um, during when the, when most of the scripted programming is off. And um, that is like a real life paranormal investigator going from, from mystery to mystery, trying to solve things that other people haven't um, solved. But like if we fictionalized it, that is something that um, people could tune into every week, maybe on a, is, is Friday a rough day? Friday's a rough day, isn't it? For, for viewership. Yeah, yeah. Okay, maybe we put it in the middle of the week. <laughs> give it a fighting chance no but I feel yes. like that that would take those like genre boxes that the network's known for and I don't know how much longer it'll be known for it for but it's an era of transition you got to try new things but at the same time stick true to what got you here in the first place true and they're not doing that I feel like this is a good segue to talk about the flash since we're yeah. <laughs> it's sunsetting but it's sunsetting in a way that potentially works for it um this is going to be a spoiler-free review so you won't be getting much out of us but we will give you a rough feel of how the episode I guess goes I enjoyed it did you enjoy it Michael I loved it I cannot tell you how much like towards the end of season eight it was definitely getting better than I enjoyed this the end of season eight a lot more than the start of it crossover aside but season nine really felt to me like the flash of old and I go on about this all the time and that I I just want the show to have that like heart that it used to have and I know every show loses at some point but this definitely felt like it reminded me of how Arrow's final season started the episodes are nothing alike but it just felt like Arrow had found itself again in its final season and now it feels like the flash has found itself again in its final season we cannot go into plot details but one thing I know that you and me definitely will connect on Sabrina is that the amount of West Allen in it is an absolute joy to say and to see them at the forefront of an episode was by far my favorite thing about it. Well, I mean, that's interesting, though, because if we're going back to basics, basics was the West Allen relationship and how yeah. much it is a part of Barry's journey as a superhero. Um, I do. It is. I find it. I don't know if it's a little too late to be exploring a part of their relationship that has been um, a problem for them over the entire mm-hmm. series what with um because for those who've been waiting for like Barry who'd do anything for Iris um include mess things up that is what, what's happening with Barry and Iris in this episode uh and it and it, that, a lot of it has to do with the way in which he you know gets scared of the unknown and she very much embraces the unknown as much as she can because of how tied together their lives are she wants to be surprised by life and he'd rather you know know everything um and she'd rather not Mm. it's very much like who they are as people and then you you what really I love just the the, the one-on-one scenes because you get to see how much they've grown as characters but at the same time those core characters we started with are still fundamentally there and it just it feels to me like such an authentic exploration my only issue is that it kind of feels like it's a little late in the game but I'm glad they're doing it now in general because we've craved this for the last three or four seasons and it's just I'm not going to like say it does a disservice to anyone because it's just it's a a wonderful dynamic between the two of them and 
I have to say there are two back-to-back scenes I'll not get into it but where Grant and Candace deliver some absolutely incredible work and you can tell their hearts are so into this perform this performance this episode and perhaps the storyline I can't wait to see where it goes with it but I just I felt those performances and when you get used to people delivering sometimes you you don't feel it as much but they give it everything in those scenes and you know that they were they were passionate about what they were doing and that they bounce so well off each other and I can't wait for everyone to see them yeah because it's a it's a married couple um going through something together and and trying to solve it in different ways mm-hmm. and um and not being able to mesh their ideas of how their lives should move forward i really i really enjoyed that aspect of the west ellen um storyline and i do feel like it's like the thing that they're they're struggling with is something that you would have thought they would have worked through in like season three yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it's I'm glad that we are at least working through it in the final season and um and I do like the setup for this episode we can say it's a Groundhog Day episode um Mm -hmm. so we are we are going through the same thing over and over and over and over again um and trying to what's the definition of insanity is doing the same thing um (laughs) over and over again and thinking there's going to be a new solution I think that was a great it's a great point of entry for Flash season nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, it's kind it of ironic series. that right now when we're filming this, it's Groundhog Day. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know until this morning. <laughs> oh man, the uh, irony. Is... Um, that was probably like everyone was like, "Where did Reed go?" And he just comes in and is like, "It's Groundhog Day." <laughs> <laughs> you were you were waiting for your big moment. I was the voice. I'm the voice of the people. I didn't watch, so I'm like soaking in their. I didn't watch yet, so I'm soaking in the review. I do have a question. Um, so I don't know if you guys can answer this, but it, you can be as vague as you want. Um, does the episode kind of set up an end game season long story arc? The, mm, there I'll are, take that as a not really. <laughs> uh, let, let's just say this follows the format of every season premiere and that there is very much a story at hand, but you can see the beginnings of a story going forward. If that makes sense. I try to just be as vague as possible with that. Um, I do. I yeah. We'll leave it at that. But I would do on Sabrina's point a minute ago, I do want to say that this episode is so much fun. And I think that's one of my favorite things about it because the Flash used to be so much fun. And when you get like roped into a lot of the season long storylines or the we've done this eight times before, it can get a little repetitive. This felt fresh for me. And I think that was just because Barry and Iris were at the heart of it. And you should not be saying that about your core couple nine seasons in, but they were at the heart of it. And that's why it felt fresh. And I'm glad they finally getting the attention they deserve both as separate people, but also as a unit, because a lot of their best moments have happened off screen. And now we actually get to see them living that life. And it's just as far as like the procedural adventure of the week goes, it's a great opener. It's uh, a lot of fun. And I have to say, I'm more excited about season nine than I've been excited for a flash season in a very long time. I Ooh. feel like this is going to be a big one. We knew that before the episode, but I can definitely double down on it as after seeing the episode. I can't wait to see what season nine holds. Same. To answer your question, Reed, it's not doesn't set up the whole thing for the season for this show mm-hmm. but it does for West Allen you definitely know sure. how their relationship is going to be as you move forward and I think fans will appreciate where they land by the end of uh, the premiere um I also want to like people should contain their expectations for for West Allen it's more than we typically get with them 
but it's not it's not what everyone was hoping for as far like throughout the entire series if that makes sense like if they're in a great spot for where they're going to be moving through the season but I think if you anyone who has been like daydreaming about how they wanted West, West Allen to wrap up it makes sense for where they've been written so far mm-hmm. um, so keep the bar not low but like manage at a, it manage the bar yeah I, I think so because I think people do have high expectations for where they have because it's the thing that they've been holding on to for the entire series mm-hmm. for what they would like West Island to be and time and time again each season tells you you're not going to get what you want from them but you can get something really special mm. I think that's I think that's the important thing to take away from this I think as far as every box t- that can be ticked for a se- season premiere it takes it because it's a good starting point. There is definitely work to be done. There is definitely room to grow. And, but I think it's done it so well that I'm excited for it. I'm not like, I'm not, I don't feel like this needs to do that or this should have done that. I left that season premiere feeling very satisfied. Yes. There's so much I want to see in the season and yes, fans need to understand they're not going to get all of that in the first episode. But I do think that as a Flash fan, as a West Allen fan, and just a fan of the Arrowverse, I'm very satisfied where the season premiere could take the rest of the season, and I hope it does do that. We invigorated the desire to see mm-hmm. season nine, for sure. We were scared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel very sure about it. Uh, but one thing that I personally don't feel very sure about is the Winchesters. Um, I know. <laughs> <laughs> This um, this week's episode uh, was better than the the mid season premiere, but for me not by much, um, which is a shame because I love vampires and somehow the vampires are boring. Yeah, I okay. I want to preface this section by saying I love this show. I st- I wouldn't be here still if I was if I didn't love the show. And by be here, I mean like watching it. <laughs> <laughs> Because there's a difference between a show that you love that kind of disappoints you that you're like, I'm going to ride this out to the bitter end. And there's a show that you like that disappoints you. And then you're like, I think we need to consciously uncouple. Um, so like, I love the show and I will watch every episode, but that doesn't mean I have to like everything that happens <laughs> <laughs> or like how they're executing it. Like, I feel like I, this show might be better binged like in hindsight, mm. like I feel like I'm going to re-binge it and be like, oh, this is great. But seeing it week to week with like weeks that are uh, where it doesn't air, it just feels very disjointed sometimes. And it has the energy of like the first season of a show that's on the WB. Like it, it has the nonchalance of that where they're just mm-hmm. like, we're going to take our time settling into this world. Whereas like, I don't know if it's this is a fault to the show or a fault to me as the viewer. I'm kind of like, I need can we do something faster a little bit, please? Because I don't think in this day and age of television, we have the luxury of just kind of like feeling our way through a first season. <laughs> like we need to go, go. That's my two cents. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm with you on that. And I know where you're coming from. I do think maybe of the three of us, I maybe enjoyed the episode the most, but I think that was just because I was kind of a little disappointed by the one that came before. I think this would have worked as a better mid-season premiere because it just felt a little bit faster than the other one. Still very episodic, like it's fast on an episodic basis, but not very fast as far as the overall story goes. And then that brings up the issue of, well, if you enjoyed the villains of the week, where does that leave the overall story? Are we not moving through it quick enough? We um, really aren't though. Yeah, like, exactly. It feels like, I don't remember what happened with like the queen and the Akrita and even the the photo of Dean 
isn't really touched upon and that John just like looks at it again as far as I'm mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. I know that's all that happened right he just looks at the picture of Dean yeah they're just yep. walking on their morning date and they're looking at the picture and Mary makes some comment about him looking nice or whatever um and then that's the end of the photo they just go on about their business I was like okay but like I kind of like I what's happening with that and then mm-hmm. it did the, the vampires were kind of fun I like that they um were like the the Buffy vampires yeah they're kind of like you know those kinds but like I don't fully understand <laughs> the point and I'm sure Supernatural fans probably ate it up um but like I don't have that history so just again it just felt like another episode where one of the two main leads was in mortal danger and John actually did die <laughs> they took it up a little bit um no when you say it like that i know what you mean we've seen that an awful lot this season um yeah i enjoyed the vampires as far as like one-dimensional villains go maybe they talk too much because i was like (laughs) i don't know where are we going with this and the opening scene was very long but um aside from all of that it was just it was it was a solid episode but it just didn't for so much happening in the episode, it just didn't feel like it took the overall story anywhere. Maybe that's what I keep giving off about. I think that the issue with the Winchesters is that there is so much happening overall and not enough happening in the episodes because yeah, you have total sense. You, you know what I mean? You yeah. have the Sam Samuel stuff. You have the Dean stuff. You have the, uh, the Akrita. You have the... Um, the axes situation which we'll get into shortly oh um, dear lord <laughs> you have john at mary you have the potential of multiverse you have the potential of prequel i don't know there's so much going on for not enough happening in the episodes pick on one of those points i just said and let's talk I about think that's <laughs> why we need commitment commitment mm-hmm. to either it's monster yeah. of the week or it's a season-long plot they're trying mm-hmm. to do both and it's not working yeah just a quick question that has nothing to do with anything but what happened where did ada go did they explain where she was in the past two weeks no i feel like maybe they didn't have weren't able to have the actress because mm. when um what was it lato was like i need a lore expert and i was like excuse me don't we have ada yeah. <laughs> i was just like wait where i where did she go and i feel like i haven't seen she wasn't in the like the behind the scenes instagram videos that they were the cast was sharing um so i'm gonna keep an eye on that but let's get back to the episode <laughs> you could feel her, her missing from this one though because this this would have been a so a case that she would have been a part of that would have mm. like add, added some richness especially um being able to have scenes with millie again uh which i enjoyed millie in this episode um mm. trying to be be a mom who likes worrying about her son but trusting him when he makes this um decision to kill himself in order to save everybody else but also being wary of betty but still presenting a nice i'm millie you can talk to me about anything but no i'm not telling you what my child is up to (laughs) (laughs) oh she's quickly becoming the mvp and i do i love the fact they had her like joking about reading the lore and everything about it i never thought a job with so much hunting would involve so much reading and i'm like well this is what ada was there for where is she she could have solved this (laughs) help solve Mm -hmm. this problem um but yeah, no, I think, I feel like Millie was very important in this episode, just like she was very important in the last one, as far as standing up to Samuel goes. I'm really enjoying her scenes, maybe the most. Um, of course, this is the John and Mary stuff as well. But um, yeah, she really came through for them. And she, I think the important thing was that she needed to learn to trust John. It was a terrible idea, but I mean, it paid off in the end. But um, yeah, she, she because I think Betty had kind of placed those doubts in her mind, this was a big one for Millie to ultimately trust him in the end. And it paid mm-hmm. off. 
I'm not going to touch the Betty and Kyle thing yet. I, I want to talk about John and Mary because they had a big relationship development in the previous episode. And then this week, they're fully in it. But Mary's like, I don't know, we should keep it quiet. And it just felt like another, um, it felt like a natural progression in the relationship. But it also felt like just a trope mm-hmm. in television where like, okay, we got this couple together. What are the stories that we need to tell? in the interim of whatever the next step is in the relationship and it's always it's not always successful and I feel like it wasn't I just don't know like what we learned from that as characters or viewers I don't think we learned anything because the the when they're talking outside of the car while they're holding their coffees she says she wants to keep it quiet because she doesn't know how the relation dynamic relationship dynamics would change if Lata and Carlos knew that they But were meanwhile it's a small town and they're out in the open like hugging and kissing and I'm like <laughs> <laughs> well it's that but it's also like well I didn't understand what she meant because like like we've mentioned previously they've had like four near-death experiences with them being very emotionally attached to um each she, other like, it's not gonna change like, anything they cuddled at Carlos or is that his, that's his name right yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> do you guys ever like say somebody's name and you're like wait yes <laughs> where did that come from <laughs> is that right <laughs> but they like cuddled at his performance in the previous episode and i'm like and of course when they ended up finding out they were like duh we're like we're not dumb like we mm-hmm. we're, we spent every mo- moment with you two <laughs> like we know <laughs> so like i don't know what who this was for and i don't know if it was an actual like was it a learning moment for mary because it didn't feel like one right yeah I don't know if she needed like if she I don't know it just didn't really land for me it just felt like a story to tell mm-hmm. but it was cute I like I enjoyed them together so whatever yeah as far as as far as the tropes of the WB shows goes that was what that was one of them but kind of like we would have definitely seen that situation with Clark Atlanta and Smallville but I feel like there would have maybe been an episode or two between that after them getting together. It just felt like they went from getting together to suddenly we have to keep this huge secret. And it was just like it was taking the boxes of the trope. And you're right, it was another near-death experience that made them have that quite emotional moment. And then they turned around and were like, we're together. But like, there was no like, you know, the way when that happens, the character has to learn something or choose to do something. She didn't choose to do an answer to the world. They just happened to be there when that moment was taking place. Yeah, it, it just... I know what you mean. It was, it was like, nice. What did it do for her? Exactly. Like, did she realize like, oh, I can be honest with people. Like, I don't know what that, not that everything needs to have like a reason or a, a message, but I mean, you hope that it would like, what did, how did Mary grow from that? I don't know if she learned like, oh, I can trust people or like, oh, I need to, you know, let go of, open myself up to people. I don't know what that, what that story did mm-hmm. besides just like, and it didn't even last that long. Like, no, and they weren't hiding. They weren't really hiding. Like it's not like she she touched with exception to the kitchen. She touched him the same amount that she always touches him in the um in the show. It's not <laughs> like we started the series with the two of them only having private moments alone where she's very vulnerable. But when she's in front of Carlos and Lata, she's headstrong and he can't. She won't let him be there for her emotionally. She lets him be there for her emotionally in front of her friends all the time. Mm-hmm. So like it's not like like besides the kissing. What exactly were you hiding? Well, then maybe maybe this will be just like a subtle push of her being more vulnerable instead of putting up this like tough exterior. But 
it, it didn't really allude to that mm -hmm. very much. So mm -hmm. I don't know if that was the intention or if that's just, I'm trying to, you know, give it some meaning. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think the episode definitely wanted the characters to feel the trope of the moment. And it came across, like, for example, as you guys said, they've been very like, uh, uh, emotional and soft and tender around each other in front of other people before and yet then when Mary wanted to comfort John when he found out he was possibly dying Carlos has that moment where he like looks at them weird and then shrugs and walks off and like but if they've been doing this all the time why was that suddenly a big thing to him you know what I mean you could see the writers at work in, in the whole episode for me um it paid off in the end but I don't really know what the mission was like they got to where they needed to go but I just don't know as far as the characters go what the point of that was like I said this very much felt like a standalone episode a fun one but um I don't really know what it contributed to the story because I don't feel like we're any further on with the exception of the teaser at the end okay yeah. let's I'm I think I'm emotionally prepared to talk about the exit now <laughs> let's do it <laughs> when I saw Kyle pop up do you guys understand how angry I was I was like, not you. I thought yeah. we got rid of you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then Betty came back and she was driving me nuts. I'm like, girl, mind your business. Like no <laughs> one, I think at the end, I think it was successful as a viewer because just the sight of those two characters as like a potential foil to this couple, I was like at attention. I was like, I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to, you know, take them down. And then, but I think that's successful. Like, I feel like that's maybe the emotion they want from the viewers. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, I was shook when they're at the, was it the diner or something? And the waitress, mm -hmm. when she moves, great camera work, great mm -hmm. like um, blocking. And then we see the the dots on the back of Kyle's neck. And I'm like, okay, I'm in for whatever this is. I might not like it, <laughs> <laughs> but like, this is interesting. <laughs> it is. Um, so I'm, I'm, if we're right, do the dots on the back of his neck mean that he's been like taken over by Anacrita? Is that what that's yes. suggesting? Yes. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. Thought that. Yes. No, I remember I said a couple of months ago now, wow, time's passed so quickly, that the exes in sci-fi shows either end up villains or dead. And unfortunately, I think we can maybe see this going both ways here because um, Kyle is, didn't they say the longer the Akrita infects someone that the less of the person's left whenever they get kicked out. So unfortunately, I feel like Kyle's definitely uh, long gone at this point. We don't know. But um, that was definitely an interesting um, plot twist because it feels like did the Akrita know to specifically target him because Ma Mary had used him before? Um, and then how's Betty going to get involved? Because she just wants to do the right thing and she's just worried about John. But like Reed says, take a step back or five. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, But it, that was, I was... I enjoyed that. Don't get me wrong. As a viewer, I was like screaming at the TV, like, will you two leave them alone? But on the other hand, I was like, okay, this is good. This is good. I don't know where this is going to go because you've got one that really wants to help, but keeps getting in the way. And you have one that's like inherently evil that wants to use that person. So does that mean Betty will end up dead? Does that mean Kyle will end up dead? Um, how do they stop the two of them when one of them's good and one of them's bad? Uh, again, so much to deal with and only just a few episodes left. I... I do like the plot twist. I just wish that there was more emotional investment in who Kyle is mm -hmm. supposedly to um, Mary because when he popped up um, in the beginning, I was like, oh, is this going to be an opportunity for her to be weird with John instead of just saying that she's with John um, to Kyle. She's just leaves it ambiguous and that's kind of not what happens. He's Kyle's very aware that, that she is with John and in fact, Mary even lets John make fun of their whole of her and Kyle's meet cute a little bit mm -hmm. through through the episode. Um, 
So it's like, okay, well, that was useless. But then we come back to the to the diner and you're like, oh, he's been affected by the Akrita. And I was like, I can't, I bet it would be an emotional pool for John. Why would Kyle be an emotional pool for mm-hmm. Mary? Out of, like they both come back, it seemed like out of nowhere. Yeah, they do. The clear blue sky. <laughs> at, least Betty, at least Betty makes a little bit more sense because <clears throat> she's an officer, a cop. So she shows, she keeps seeing Mary at, at crime scenes and she's like, what are you doing? But it does shed some light on um, John as well because apparently he used to get up to some trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't elaborate, but apparently he was running around town. So I would like to know what we were doing. It sounds like fighting though, the way that Millie was talking because she said like you went from... Um, like what punching or something over here and punching something else and I was like oh were you like brawling in the streets <laughs> um, and because it makes me wonder I know he chose to go um serve his country on his own it wasn't like Carlos who had to uh, either go to jail or um enlist but I do want to know what John's uh rough past is since they since Betty's scared that he's going to go down the wrong path again well we have four more episodes hopefully our questions are answered <laughs> I hope so. We have a lot of them. <laughs> I know. I just wish that the Winchesters were tighter. It was tighter, but we're not in an era where you can coast for a full season and find your legs. We are in an era where you have to go like all the way there in the first season. And that's what like, Walker Independence is doing. <laughs> like we're just yeah. every episode, we're just chugging straight for it. I feel like we're on like a high speed train, but it's fun. And um in this episode, uh it's not really a bottle episode but the storm allows each of the characters to be bottled somewhere alone and it it produces some interesting things Mm -hmm. i love that talking about tropes this is a trope that i absolutely love Mm -hmm. when it's done right when there's like a storm and you have combos of characters that are stuck together to ride out the storm and they talk about vulnerabilities or whatever they need to do when done right it's just art and that's what this was <laughs> yeah and i think the reason the trope works so well is because it forces people who are either avoiding each other or who weren't to to get to the real crux of whatever the conflict is whereas the previous tropes sometimes just drag things out for no reason this one really brought the story forward and i was shaking after this episode that's all i can say right now let's get into it yeah yeah oh my goodness abby and tom okay yes. <laughs> i don't know what i've said on this podcast about this particular couple but forget it all because I'm all in. I was Yay! obsessed. I was screaming. I was like, I didn't know how I would feel if this ever happened. And I know like I saw, they posted a clip of this on the Walker Independence Instagram and I was reading the comments and people were split. They were mad and they were like, but he could have killed her husband. I'm like, that's why it's great. It's a soap yeah. opera. <laughs> I want to see this. This is a mess. <laughs> Welcome to the dark side. This, this bad romance is just like, it's so delicious how they are I together. I didn't even think they would do it this early, but um, I know I had mentioned to you guys that it seemed like the writers were like, well, you know what? This could be it. Let's do everything we want to do. I don't know if that's the case, but did the, did you guys get that feeling? Because I know I said it to you guys before you watched the episode. Mm-hmm. So I didn't ruin it, did I? <laughs> no, no, no. That's no. not what I thought you were talking about. I mean, I thought we were going to get something serious. I did not think we were going to get Abby and Tom. It just felt like a big development that I was like, I could have seen this happening in like, I don't know, like season three, like officially, but like, mm-hmm. they're like, no, full throttle. We're doing it. 
And it was this, great. It was. They set it up so well because when they had that moment and then that Tom was the gentleman who walked away from her and then they said, we, we, we should go to bed or whatever and separate. Um, you were like, they did it so well because you couldn't help but root for them in that moment. And then, of course, the two of them then find their way back to each other at the end of the night. And, oh, my goodness. Like Reed said, it, chef's kiss. Oh. Yeah, the way that they did it too with like unraveling Tom as like this villain they do the little moments often but like this one the way that they did it was so masterful because by the time they get together toward the end of the episode it's the first time we ever see Tom as like an object of desire right mm -hmm. like he's always fully clothed whereas like Hoyt's usually half naked sometimes <laughs> but like this is the first time we see Tom that um bear kind of vulnerable and like he's a good looking dude and we don't really see that because he's always got the hat and the vest and the full sheriff thing like he's putting on a persona and he's like stripped away of all that and we see kind of like what abby might kind of see because like girl wanted him and she was fighting it and <laughs> <laughs> she did. shows up at his door and he is just like he's the he's we see him like we've never seen him before well, mm -hmm. and, but I think we also see him how she sees him when they're alone in the office because one of the things that like the show doesn't until this moment didn't quite focus on a lot um, was that they spent a lot of time together like this is the first mm -hmm. time they've spent a lot of time together outside of the office but they are generally together every day because she's his law clerk and so she gets to see this man um, and his personality and there are parts of it she doesn't care for but there are parts of it that she finds to be charming and I think the the woman who was with them <clears throat> in um as well at Hagen's, that was at Hagen's. Well, the woman who was with them at the hotel. Mm -hmm. Um she kind of prompts that because she's talking about her the her husband she lost and the romance that they had experienced in independence. And she assumes that um Abby and Tom are together because of the vibe that they give off. And they kind of they correct her, but they don't quite lean away mm -hmm. from it. Like yeah. um, Abby entertains it and she entertains it the whole night and they even draw one another, which is very intimate, like face to face, his, his drawing was not good, but even <laughs> that charms her because uh, there's just something about Tom where you cannot dislike him entirely, that he's just mm -hmm. very, you can very see. very complicated. Yes. And I think Abby likes complicated men. Mm -hmm. And even that, that near kiss by the fire, I was like shook and screaming at that part. Mm -hmm. So like when they finally like fully did it, I was like, what's going on? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Um, but yeah, I unexpectedly really, I think the payoff for the story is as good as just seeing it happen mm -hmm. because now Kate has seen them and she's got her own judgments and Abby's like, you know what, girl, I, you know what, <laughs> y'all left me. <laughs> and they really they really leaned into that because it was didn't uh, tom ask abby at one point where are all your friends and she was like oh they must be somewhere else and it was like it, it sat with that for a moment because even though you know they realized or they left abby to uh, like on the bench in the last episode we didn't realize how, how far that divide kind of went 
And I feel like this episode kind of subtly leaned into that because the whole group dynamic was having fun somewhere else. And um, because Kate and Hoyt are suddenly like besties now and they had their own thing going on there. And um, Lucy is now involved in that as well. Um, and of course, Gus and Callian are off being the besties that they always were. So Abby was very much left on her own. And the only person there for her was Tom. And you never really got to see that kind of like one-on-one dynamic that they possess because at the start, it's kind of very much professional, still a little bit feisty. And then by the end of the episode, they just see each other other in a way that nobody else kind of does so I just thought for a 40 minute episode with subplots all over it really handled it so well and like Reed said you could not help but root for them by the end of that episode that's why the trope was so successful with the putting them together because I keep saying vulnerable but Abby was in a vulnerable place and the guy that might have killed her husband happens to be the one that's like has the closest proximity to her and he's being very nice and I don't I I hope he didn't do it now. <laughs> Maybe I do. I don't know. Like I don't know what would be juicier for like the soap element, but I don't know. I loved it. It was great. It is great. I think the um I think they're not gonna tell us or even get close to sort of making us deal with it what the answer might be until we get even closer to the end of the season because Shane is gone. Mm-hmm. Um so and because I mean, Tom would have had to leave him for the storm anyway, but he also was distracted. So he, he would have, I'm sure he would have went earlier to go check on Shane had he so not. So he like, he escaped from hanging in the barn, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I'm not sure how, I don't know if they're going to yeah. tell us or if that's just like, they're like, don't worry about it. He just escaped. <laughs> Uh, but it's, it's interesting that they put that in at the end of this episode to remind us actually you know there's a there's a lot of stake here she just slept with a man mm-hmm. that she's not entirely sure didn't kill her husband she hopes that he's not it's clear that she prefer like she wants tom to be innocent but there's no guarantee that he is and then you have like kate judging um what she walked in on but also she was judging her earlier in the episode too because mm-hmm. she didn't really want to talk to her like it was like a parallel to their first uh, side-by-side walk um, in the pilot to this time where Kate's not open. She's trying to be as polite as she can be, but she'd rather not be talking to Abby and they just go their separate ways. Mm. It was very effective because they kind of, towards the end of that conversation, found a little bit of common ground, tiny, tiny bit of common ground. And then of course that's all undone at the end of the episode when Kate finds her uh, in Tom's bed. And there's just like, there's like, Kate is not willing to listen to anything. She really thinks there's been some kind of divide here. And honestly, after that, you can't blame her, but it was heading in that direction anyway. So, I mean, like only a couple of episodes left. I don't know, like their dynamic's so important to the show. How's it going to cope without that? Is Abby going to try and fight to admit Kate? See, does Abby even know what she's done? Like she, she's started herself so much in the last couple of episodes. So yeah, Walker Independence just keeps getting so much juicier as it goes on. It does, and Callian still has to find out too. Because <laughs> <I know. laughs> oh, his had... story like broke my heart. I you know. know they didn't let him be happy after finding Nasha, but it was realistic for what had happened. It was. Mm-hmm. I struggled with like her decision to be like, no, I don't remember the corn husk doll, and then her daughter had it in the end, and I was like, why would she do that? And it, I was like, I sat with it, and I was like she probably did that to like set him free so he can let her go and like move forward in his life without being like consumed by finding her and holding on to this. And then it just felt like another thing came for him at the end. I don't know. It was just really sad. It was really touching to see. I I love those 
character moments we always talk about with the show. Mm -hmm. Like we got to really know his sister and that actress gave a really uh, captivating performance and it was nice. They do a lot. It true. And they do a lot with um, in this show with being able to have two characters sit at a table Mm -hmm. and not a lot happen, but a lot of character growth happen. Like that wasn't boring. It wasn't hearing her describe the ways in which she had to let go of her former life in order to survive was heartbreaking, Um, especially at the age in which she was taken and to not be able to know that she has a disconnect um, to her culture because of what was done to her, but not being able to truly engage with what what Callian was saying about how the people that she calls her parents are actually people that benefited from lying to her about what had happened, Um, Mm -hmm. which is something like that is a piece of history that did occur. And there were people who were told um, that they had been rescued from warring tribes and actually they had been stolen from, um, they'd been stolen by white Christian missionaries and put in white families to assimilate. And so it's just like, and that's exactly what happened to her. Potentially not the missionary part that might've just been settlers, but it's exactly what happened to her, but she does not have room in her life to engage and unpack that. Because if she were Mm -hmm. to do that, it would destroy all of the growth that she had had to claw her way towards so she has to cut her brother loose and it's very sad Mm. so bittersweet like the reunion he thought he was saving her and he was like oh my god she's fine and she had to like put up those walls still to protect her life that she has now and to protect him i don't it was also heartbreaking and sad Oh. oh go ahead it was I was just gonna say the scene where like she, uh, she ran to him and she called his name and that she recognized him and he ran towards her it was just an incredible moment and of course it definitely set us up for that fall that emotional fall that he that he then experienced when she didn't remember all of that um but yeah oh my goodness just like for being the subplot of the episode this this oh my I, I can't I can't put into words how much I was like connected to that story and I just think it's because of how connected we are to Callian but like geniusly done and then they they wouldn't let us rest because then they gave us a little piece of Gus's past about his life. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, I gasped. I was like, "Tell me more." I know, and the look on oh. his face. I remember I told you guys before you watched that there was a moment that completely moving away from Callie, and I'm sorry, but I don't I don't <laughs> want to forget to mention this. Um, the moment of like CW comedy that other shows like this don't do. It was at the end after Lucia Queen successfully pulls off the the heist on that man they all work together to like pull the wool over his eyes and Hoyt and Lucia are like making out and like they're like so excited they pulled that off when it cuts to the chickens and Hoyt closes the door I was like that no one no other show would have thought to include that it 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 adds nothing to the story but it adds everything to the like the whole tableau Mm -hmm. of like the comedy that is Hoyt you know Mm -hmm. like any other like prestige like period show would like keep it tight on the two actors that are kissing but we get this random like wide shot of chickens (laughs) outside like mocking (laughs) he slams the door I loved it it was so like subtle and like non-important but when I saw that I was like oh this is why I love the show because they include Mm. so many like small things that maybe you don't pick up on but like in the grand scheme of things it gives the show so much character Mm mm-hmm 
Did you guys yeah. pick up on that? I did. <laughs> I noticed the scene and I giggled at the scene. Yes. No, but it's an, it's an important thing because at the end of the day, like this show, we've always said would be at home on other networks, but there are those little moments, those little character like quirks that it has that makes it unique to the CW as well. And I love that about it. I wouldn't want it anywhere else. And I hope un, unless they cancel it, but let's not like talk that into an existence. No, 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 I just, no, no, yeah, no, you no, know no, what I mean? <laughs> thinking if I should remove that part. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, but like, I just, I love this show and I love everything it does and it's it's not a cw show but it's very much could be a cw show and it's, it's like the cw's like cool older sister mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah exactly that's better than anything i could have said we'll roll with that <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like I, she's I like <laughs> she's in grad school this show yeah, yeah. like yeah. she's a cool she's... older sister that moved away to grad school and you're like oh she's so cool look at that coat she's wearing oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> No, it's true though because there's there are a lot of subtle things that they do. Um, I didn't realize it was going to be the chicken moment that you're talking about, Reed. I, thought... I know when I told you guys, I was like, they're gonna. It's like the most random moment that I loved so much. They're not even gonna like pick up on it. Well, I thought it was gonna be the scene, and it's still Hoyt. It's when they don't let him leave, but just taking his shirt off. He also has to take his pants off, and then and the, the cards, cards just fall out. Fall out. <laughs> And then he's not allowed to close and um during the whole card game until he he um he can't be in the game anymore. I also thought like speaking of like decisions that they made that like you zero in on the way in which we've decided that Lucy is going to be on the same footing as Hoyt instead of being a young girl who doesn't know what she wants to do besides that she doesn't want her want to run her family's ranch is they put her in an outlaw outfit when we see her again. Like signifying that like, no, no, she's, she's not here to play. Like she's changing a bit. Like the the loss of her father has changed her perspective on life. And she's had to do a lot more than she previously Mm -hmm. done. And now she owns a saloon amazing i remember she was one character we were worried about at the start because it felt like the show didn't really know where to put her after the pilot and i'm so happy they've come up with this story for her because icon in that episode absolute icon and i hope we see more of her going forward as a as a main character not someone who always comes into it when height needs another story can't wait to see what they do with her next and she's very aware of what their romance is too. Mm-hmm. Like they were bickering slightly at the top where she was just like, you didn't, you just bailed because you couldn't run the ranch, but she yeah. just accepts that's who he is, mm-hmm. but also accepts she loves how thrilling it is for him to be the way that he, he is. You can never <laughs> quite rely on Hoyt, but he's one of the most loyal people that you could have mm. on your side. Definitely. He's really come into his own as the show went on. Mm. Last point for me, though, is I really want Kelly to find out what Abby did. And I only <laughs> I say that because um, his sister asked him, do you have anybody important? Like, do you have anybody in your life? And I was like, he has Abby, but she's not <laughs> doing right right now. <laughs> I mean, granted, they're not together, but I think that moment is going to try. He's always been supportive of her. This is not a decision that he's going to be supportive mm-hmm. of. Yeah, I, I love the fact that the show had like such an obvious like love triangle we never know whether they were going to like lean into that but they have in certain episodes abby and hoyt have had more than their first show first share of moments abby and callian have had more than their first share of moments and then here we are abby and tom out of nowhere but at the same time some of us seen it potentially coming and i just oh like where does this lead there's so many dynamics that will be impacted by that one moment and i can't wait to say it i can't believe we're almost done i know (laughs) (laughs) some of the first season and I don't like being scared about renewals. It deserves no. to be renewed. Manifesting, actually. Mole, mm-hmm. please take 
Yeah, Mole, where are you being, girl? <laughs> yeah, no, like, for, like this is this could be your first 2023 gift to us. We Tell them to renew it. We don't ask for much. In fact, the mole always just gives. <laughs> we say things and the mole just gives. So in this case, give us a season two yeah. of Walker Independence. Please. Uh, but hopping from the Old West to Horseshoe Bay, this was also a Groundhog-esque episode. Mm. Um, and it really, really worked. I love this episode. I was like super confused in the beginning though. Right, yeah. I thought we were going to get hit with like a one day earlier after the Nick intro. And I even paused it and I was like, why do I, do I not know what Nick is up to? Did I miss an episode? Did I forget how the previous episode ended? I was so confused. <laughs> but then I kept going with it. And by the middle of the episode, I was like, oh yeah, this device that they used where they threw us into this and like confused us, or at least myself, I was confused. I won't I speak too. for you guys. But I think it actually really worked by the end. And I, they just had so, they, they're having so much fun with season two, which is mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. yeah, very much so. And I love how it played into the whole plot. We'll get into it. I'm sure we will. But like the fact that the memory erasing device Nancy ended up using on Celia as well, which created some wonderful, like heartwarming, but also comedic moments. Um, yeah, this episode made me feel like every emotion under the sun in like 40 minutes. And, but I, for being an episode that was kind of terrifying, it was also very, very funny. Like, loved it. Honestly, loved it. And there were so many story developments. I mm-hmm. feel like I could list them. It was like, um, Nancy makes a deal with Celia, and then George and uh, Nick end up moving into <laughs> uh, uh, Carson's loft. Carson moves back in. Just like so much happened, and it didn't ever feel overstuffed because we spent the bulk of the episode in this cycle of like I loved when they every time their memories were erased they would go back in and they'd watch the videos and he was like slinging the steak knives did not work (laughs) and then the board too where they like the picture of yourself important facts about yourself um that worked so well in conveying how much how long they've been doing this and how long it's not been working but it also gave us like these cute little comedic beats uh especially with the patankers when we were about to rehash the whole conversation that we had in um i think that's the pilot but um and that's just like oh into girls and he's like oh sorry We we also met uh not to completely move past the actual plot episode, but we met Ace's mom, right? For the first yes. time. Yes, yes. Rebecca, yeah. I believe her name is. Yeah. Queen loved her. She, she was really great. I love how like she even has that um moment where she's not on screen where she's yelling about how she refuses mm-hmm. to eat the chicken by herself. She will starve <laughs> until until her husband comes to join her. She called him AC. Yes, I know that as well. Um <laughs> We, uh, we did suggest that she might be coming into it because didn't uh, Ace rang her or was on the phone to her at one point and he never I don't think he'd ever talked about his mom before that in season one maybe I'm wrong but it was very much a case of does Ace only have his dad in his home but so it was nice that they finally like you got to we didn't see them all three of them at the same time but we did we did get to see like the fact that his mom was sitting there as though she's always been sitting there and they just had a conversation there was no like big introduction made about it and I think that's a good thing um but yeah, it was nice to learn more about his family and get the reveals. But also, I've said it before, just his relationship with his dad is so heartwarming that we got some wonderful scenes between the two of them again. When he let him go on and on about why Nick was innocent and he only did it because he said Ace doesn't go on and on anymore. He missed it. I was like, sir, please stay forever. <laughs> <laughs> 
That was so cute. It was. And he's such a compassionate person to his father um, because like the way in which he just let Nick with that interview when he was realizing like, hey, you really don't know anything. How we can't conduct this interview. But the way his face has fills with so much concern when they have to tell Nick that he's killed someone in self-defense and he's just like and Nick is just like distraught and I'm just like how is it also a funny episode but also very sad like the talent (laughs) it was such a showcase episode for I can't remember the actor who plays Nick's name do you it was a showcase for him like he was so good and so moving the way that he portrayed Nick is like yeah he's done bad things but like he has a, a big heart Mm-hmm. And he just learning about it, he couldn't believe that he had the capability of doing that. Oh, it was such a, a beautiful scene. It was, especially, I don't I mean, they didn't, they didn't need to tell us the full story, but I was like, someone please tell him it was because he was defending a friend who was mm-hmm. being harassed and it just got out of hand. But in any case, it is a showcase for him and it was a showcase for this team. And even when they don't have their memories, how well they still work together in and mm. um confide in one another uh it was just really lovely to see them like memoryless but we're still acting um the way that they typically would be as a drew crew if they had their memories and i did like that nick was like he must have wrote down nancy's address like i need to get to nancy if i lose my <laughs> memories because she's gonna jump start this investigation and um and she was pulling double duty because she had to do handle the nick thing but then she also had to handle the um oh my grandmother knows that i am her her son's daughter we have a problem Mm now and then now she knows that her life is in danger she was she was um balancing a lot of things but she was doing it excellently i was almost frustrated because when nancy learns that the situation is happening and her dads were keeping it from her i thought we're like oh no we're gonna get another nancy episode where she's mad at the dads but she was just like she kept it moving and i was like thank you nancy (laughs) (laughs) i don't need you to be mad at them for two more business days No, there are, but really there are not enough hours in a day for everything she has to deal with and considering the fact she dealt with whatever this, this viking god for however many times on repeat it's just credit to her how she manages to do it all but like, I will say one thing I would have been super disappointed in the episode if Odette did not make an appearance because I was like wait she popped up literally all the time and super convenient that she's not here at this point point. and then she, was, the she kept her quiet I was like yeah. where a girl go <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like wait does she not know the name of the god obviously then because her memory wasn't wiped um so that was interesting that they can both be in the same body but that when george's memory is wiped odette's isn't that was quite fascinating odette didn't really add much other than the fact that the note said don't trust odette um she didn't really add much at all but it was i was i just i was very appreciative of the fact that we got to see her because i was like ah that would have been super convenient if she just randomly didn't rear her head this time when she showed up all the other times but um yeah, I'm glad that we finally got to see kind of like, she is a little helpful all in all, but um, and it's just, she must, does she not know when George knows things? Because I'm sure she would have known the name of the creature as well. Uh, yeah, that I was weird. Not. Yeah. I don't know what the rules are for that, but we did, like, she obviously did remember stuff because she, we got that crumb of Odette, like, alluding to liking mm-hmm. Bess, and Bess was like, who? <laughs> <laughs> I think her moment actually is a seed for later on um because I got the feeling like when she said that she would protect George like that's what she's going to be doing I was like hmm 
I wonder if we're going to put Odette in a situation in which that's exactly what she needs to do. Not this mm. episode, but perhaps down the road. Um, so it's just like a little moment for her. Like, girl, have you said this in an episode 14 or something? We'll circle back <laughs> to, to the thing you said at the board. We also got the ace brother reveal mm-hmm. who had been line cook Grant the whole time. I kind of was loving the comedy of them consistently ignoring Grant. <laughs> and then with this reveal where like they have been, it's been under their nose the whole time. Like, I feel like if Ace had just told Nancy, like I might have a half brother out there somewhere, she would have figured out like four episodes ago. She would have been like, it's Grant, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for for who Shannon Cook was going to be playing. Cause I was like, Shannon's been in um, CW shows before. We didn't just hide. He's not like a random person. So he's got to be important. But I just didn't know who who would mm-hmm. be. And I was like, oh, he's, he's Ace's brother. Which is, I love how at the end, he just reveals himself. Like we have the other part. It's like a friendship necklace. We just put it together. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> the parent trap. <laughs> yes. And so now it's like, oh, where do we go from here? Like, and is your, is your mom okay? What's happening? Like He did say he's in trouble. So mm. we'll see. He came to right people. It, I know why they introduced Ace's mom now because it's, I mean, we saw all that with Ace's family and just in time for the family to get some drama up, mm-hmm. to upend that piece with this reveal. But yeah, that's, it's, I don't know what to expect from the brothers. But that's the exciting part because mm. <laughs> yeah. it's like a, it's a mystery <laughs> unto itself. We have a lot of, we have a few mysteries going, um, but all of them are interesting all of them are something you want to see um unfold I would say this one's probably like the C plot they just keep giving us little like like sprinkling little salt on there and 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 having us go on our way until the next episode so I wonder what's next for us Mm. I think like that's the most not interesting not the most interesting I don't want Mona Ted to do a disservice to the rest of the story but it's it's kind of that story that bubbles below the surface I feel like it'll have more importance as it goes on because they're very much playing the long game with it like it took us quite a while to get from point A to point B considering we knew it was going to happen so yeah I'm intrigued to see where this one goes mm-hmm. same with um in Nancy's life her becoming mm-hmm. an asset to the mm-hmm. Hudson's in order to keep herself alive yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but what does that mean Nancy what are the terms I don't know. I don't know what whatever it would need from um, a granddaughter he didn't know about, who he does not care for, and who he wants to enact revenge on. I don't know why, like, Nancy was very honest. She's like, I don't want anything from you. Like, I'll sign anything. I was like, that's a great plan. Uh, obviously, it would be way too easy. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know why you wouldn't take that deal, because she was genuine. Like, she's like, I don't care about you guys. <laughs> like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess it's just because they're untrust. They don't trust anybody. They would be duplicitous if they had said that. But as Carson told her, which is exactly what she needed to hear, she has Hudson blood, but she's a Drew Hart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like I'm so happy they finally had that moment because we've been waiting on them to like find. They have slowly find their way back to each other, but this is the, that 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 like father daughter dynamic was so important in season one. It's been missing a lot in season two. Carson's been off doing his own thing. So I hope we now get to see them in each other's orbit a lot more going forward. Yeah, he got that chance to to be a dad with Bess. And I feel like that was a good uh, building block to get mm-hmm. 
Nancy and Carson back together. I also loved the scene with Nancy and Carson and Ryan where she's like, I'm sure people learn that they're grandparents every day. And she's like, but not you guys. <laughs> she's like, I'm not. No, that's not what I'm saying. That's not, yeah, that's not what this is. <laughs> Which is like their faces didn't even say that that's what they assumed. Yeah. She's yeah. like, it very clear. A grandchild is not coming. She's like, I'm too busy. <laughs> she is. <laughs> she is. George even has that line about how like when she disappears, she's like, and that's exactly who she is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I love I also loved another like comedic moment comedic moment was when George asked like um and what do we do if it doesn't work or so whatever the question was and then they have the sign on the board it's like when George asks <laughs> what do we do if it doesn't work <laughs> and the picture of her holding the things because yeah. I said so like I, there's just this Nancy Drew is a joy I wish that it was getting, we're going to see season four, obviously, but I wish that the CW had kept it for longer. I know Kennedy McMahon is off to CBS. Hopefully her series gets- um, ABC. It's ABC? Oh, yes, right. ABC. Yeah, ABC. Headed to ABC. So I just, more power to her, more power to her brilliance. We'll still be there for her all the way around, but like Nancy Drew is a gem. It's a truly a gem. It's like, what other show on television is there a group of friends taking down a mythical creature with viral tweets? <laughs> I don't know. It's just Nancy. <laughs> and troll bots. Indeed. Just genius. I think, you know what? The Walker Independence Writers Team and the Nancy Drew Writers Team should hold, like, clinics for writers. Mm. Like, yeah. just teach. Study teach these shows. Work. If you want to be a writer, like watch these shows. Yes. My goodness. All right. Well, we do have, moving away from Horseshoe Bay, we do have a roast and a toast um, for for this week. We're going to start with the roast. And it has to do with Nexstar, the majority owner of the CW. And the fact that in everything that they do, they tout that the CW app has 90 million downloads. Um, but we don't talk about what the 90 million downloads are for, which the CW content that they canceled. <laughs> yeah, it's like, tell us what that means or get some new material. <laughs> it's such a vague sentence to say, and it keeps wheeling you out at every press conference, every press release, and you're like, okay, but that's relative to what? What content is it? Is it the content that's no longer on the service? Will it still apply when you get new content that nobody wants to watch? I mean... Think about what you're saying. I also want to know, because do you guys know how many times I've downloaded, deleted, and re-downloaded the CW app on my phone? Like, does that count? It's been at least 10 times in the past 10 years that I've had an iPhone. Because, <laughs> like, I don't keep it on my phone at all times, but sometimes, you know, you need it to watch mm-hmm. something on the go. Um, but like, does that, what is that contribute to those 90 million? Am I, like, 15 of those? <laughs> <laughs> possible i think it, it is like um i don't think we do it by like ip it's probably just like every time someone downloads the cw app mm. that's that's uh what it is not i don't think it's my ip address but like i just i just really want to like drill down on what it means because what they're giving us on if you've never been on the cw app or even cwtv.com um the user experience is not great perhaps they will fix it uh this year perhaps not I don't know but they um they don't talk about it a lot but there's the CW shows some of them highly popular and cult classics and then there are there's the acquired content the licensed content that no one knows about unless they actually go on the site mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's just in it for like for instance did y'all know that Carol is on cwtv.com on the CW app so 
I like it. That's fun. I like, I, that's cool that they have movies, but it's like, imagine my confusion when I go to the CW's website to watch Walker Independence and I see Ringer, The Secret Circle, some random ABC show that was canceled 10 years ago. Blue Valentine starring Ryan Gosling and Michelle Williams. Okay, what is it? What happened? <laughs> like, what is the organ- yeah, what is the <laughs> organizational promotional system happening for the like we wouldn't uh, again to preface, we wouldn't be talking about this if we didn't love the CW. Next door is a different story, but like we wouldn't be like roasting this if we didn't deeply care about this network and its like <laughs> website and stuff. Not to sound like I don't want to sound like a hater. <laughs> we want it to thrive. We do. It's more like a gentle roasting because it's just like, it's... It's a do better. It's mm-hmm. a, yes, exactly. Because for an app that has so many downloads, you know, as someone who uses it regularly, you want it to to work right. You want to know what's um, on the platform. You want to be able to find what's on the platform without having to scroll through everything. Um, and you don't want to be like... it's. I don't always like the happy accidents of finding like, oh, this Florence Pugh movie is there. Like Lady, Mac- like Lady Macbeth is there. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that because they didn't release an announcement about it. We never know what's really on the CDW app. And if you want more downloads, shouldn't you let people know you can watch this beloved film on CWTV.com? I mean, there's other stuff that you probably don't want to watch, but this Oscar nominated film is here for free to watch and it's not anywhere else. You would think. But no. But no. But we do have a toast <laughs> to end positively. <laughs> and that's because we got Gotham Night Screeners and we're very excited about it um, to be tuning into this show that and I think a lot of people have written off, but that we want to give a chance uh, because DCTV is not long for this world, y'all. You have to embrace what they are giving us right now because, I mean, James Gunn made his announcements. <laughs> And that's not going to be on the CW, obviously, which means that if you want to watch anything that's DC TV, it's going to have to be on HBO Max because uh, everything else, which was on the CW, which was on broadcast for free, it will no longer be there. This could be the last superhero show, the last new original superhero show that the CW produces. And regardless of how you feel about it, you should absolutely check it out. I know I will by it's been an era I don't know whether this will be the last. I hope it isn't, but I'm going to pretend that it is and enjoy this for what it is. And I can't wait to just celebrate this era by watching what potentially the final chapter of it. Who knows? But anyways, uh, Gotham Knights is a new chapter in it and I want to give it the, the attention it deserves because we don't know how much longer we can be in the story for. So yay, Gotham Knights. Yay. Yeah. And- We're getting the, well, the maybe the last crumbs. Let's lick the plate. Yeah, <laughs> March through August on CW is going to be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. stacked lineup. We've Back Superman, to the golden era. I don't, Superman, Lois, Gotham Knights, The Flash, Riverdale, Nancy Drew. We did hear that that Superman and Lois may get a season or two more. At least DC Studios isn't going to cancel it on their side, which means it's up to CW to decide what they want to do. So hopefully we get more of it. But right now we're living in the last era of DC TV. So enjoy it while you can. <laughs> yeah, live in the moment. <laughs> uh, but that is it for us this episode. We are the CW Spiral. I'm Sabrina. I'm Michael. I'm Reed. Bye y'all.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.